The following podcast is an excerpt taken from a broadcast on the Family Life Network, a radio network covering western New York and Pennsylvania. You may listen online at www.fln.org. We're joined this afternoon once again by Frank Viola. Frank is the author of uh, the new book, Reimagining Church, published by David C. Cook. You probably know him, or you may recall the name from an interview we did a few months ago on uh, the precursor to the current book called Pagan Christianity that he co-wrote with uh, George Barna. Hey, it is great to have you back on the show, Frank. Thanks very much. How are you doing? Oh, doing great. Very happy to be here again. We alluded to this book when we were talking about pagan Christianity, and, and this one was already in process. This is kind of the follow-up to that book, and that book produced a fair amount of controversy, and it was thought-provoking and eye-opening and insightful. Where does reimagining church actually pick up from pagan Christianity? Well, what reimagining church does, it constructs a new vision, uh, a new understanding, a new practice of church that's rooted tightly in the New Testament. And it follows pagan Christianity in that pagan Christianity, what it does, as you know, deconstructs Mm -hmm. our modern church practices and the modern institutional form of church. So consequently, what pagan Christianity does is it shows the reader what church isn't, according to Scripture, and then reimagining comes along and shows what church is. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of the mirror positive side of pagan Christianity. And it was important that we did it this way because we wanted people first to understand what many will find a shocking thought. We wanted them first to understand that much of what we do today for church has absolutely no basis in the New Testament. And a lot of it, quite frankly, violates the teachings of Jesus and the apostles. And we point this out in pagan Christianity, but what we wanted to do is give people time to let that stew, (laughs) (laughs) marinate on that, and really look into that before we presented them with the constructive side. Okay, you've just torn down Mm -hmm. uh, what many of us have known as church. Now let's see you build. What's the constructive side? What should stand in its place? And that's what Reimagining Church does. So it's a very positive book. But I tell you what, and your listeners need to know this, if you read pagan Christianity, and many, many people have, Mm -hmm. you have only heard the first half of a conversation. And if you stop there, you will most likely have a very distorted and, well, incomplete, I should say, view of what we believe the Church is. So you've got to come along and read that other side of the conversation, which for us is the most important part of the conversation. Well, and that's the whole basis, I mean, I think, of your work over the years in in, uh, home church or organic church um, ministry, that the church is a living organism. It's not really just an organization or an institution. Absolutely. And that's a key point that is made in both books, that what we are challenging in pagan Christianity is not the church. We are challenging an institution and a religious program way of doing things that we all call church. Mm -hmm. For example, uh, the person that goes through a, a religious service two hours on Sunday morning, and they come home and they say, well, I've been to church today. Well, they're really not calling that thing by its proper name. That was a service. That was a religious service, a performance-slash-spectator service, and that's not the church. The Church of Jesus Christ is a living organism, as you said. It is the people of God, and the church, as I point out in Reimagining Church, has an organic expression that God himself has woven into its very DNA, 
And we Christians, when we come together instinctively and intuitively, we do certain things. One thing is we love one another. Yeah. Another thing is we fellowship together. Another thing is if we get close enough together and, and know each other well enough, we become family. And that's the dominating metaphor that the New Testament uses for the Church, and this is an entire chapter in the book, Reimagining right. Church, how the Church is a family. And unfortunately, you know, in my experience, that's just rhetoric yeah. in many institutional-type churches. It's not a reality. And yet it can be, and it is, in many Christian communities mm-hmm. today. How do we trace back the DNA of the Church? How do we get down to what really is that living organism? Mm, that's right where we begin in Reimagining Church. That's the beginning point. That's the first chapter. And interestingly enough, we trace it back to the Godhead himself. We mm-hmm. trace it back to the fellowship and the relationship that's between the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And that relationship is eternal. It happened and it went on before creation. And the Father and the Son and the Spirit have a very unique relationship, and they desired, they had a purpose within them to expand that relationship to creation. They wanted to have, in a created world, a reflection, an image of what they were experiencing in the Trinity. And they wanted that to be poured out onto the earth, and not only a reflection of it, but they wanted a creature called humankind (laughs) to participate in it Mm -hmm. and to express it in the universe. And so I spent a lot of time talking about the relationship between Father, Son, and Spirit in the beginning of the book. We trace that whole relationship out, and we look at how it outworks itself in the believers Mm -hmm. when they are meeting together and living together as a community. And every chapter goes right back to that foundation, that this practice of the Church, which is organic Mm -hmm. and instinctive to the Church itself, goes back to the Trinity. It is a reflection of what's happening between Father, Son, and Spirit. So this is something that we develop in the book, and uh, I tried to make it very clear that this is not just a cultural thing, you know, cultures change, but God in his nature never changes. Right, yeah. And so there are things in the church that never change. How is the church through the ages, or how do we today interact with that DNA or, or, or live out that being a part of that living organism without infecting it and polluting it with all that we are and all that we do? Well, you know, that's the trick. And uh, <laughs> the first step is to recognize that we have added so much in the way of human tradition mm-hmm. that has actually smothered the organic nature of the church and uh, has totally redefined the church, yeah. you know. And that's part of what we were doing in pagan Christianity is to kind of take the light and shine it and say, look, we have to begin with square one. And square one is to say, you know what, a lot of what we're doing today and a lot of what we're calling church really contradicts Mm -hmm. the New Testament. It it contradicts what Jesus himself gave, what the apostles gave, the vision that the New Testament supplies for church. We have to start there, because if we don't start there, then there's no need to change. And if we change, it's, and this is what we've had over the last 50 years at least, is little tweaks and little adjustments and a little band-aid here and there. (laughs) And, you know, the structure stays the same and we have the same problems. So that's where it starts. And then once we begin to experience an organic expression of the Church, and I do have places in the book where I talk about that, and it's it's quite lengthy. But once we do that, then there is the understanding that these things can always creep in, and so we need constant reminding and constant input. This is where the gifts of the the Holy Spirit come in, and this Mm -hmm. is where the prophets and teachers and apostles and all the, the gifts and ministries that the New Testament talks about in its organic form now, not in its professional institutionalized form, right to help 
keep the church on track and on her center, which is Jesus Christ himself. Yeah. Some people would say, but that's too simple. I mean, it just sounds too simple. There's got to be more to it than that. Uh, is that just a, a reflection of our enculturation or our history or, or what? I think there's something to be said about simplicity that's positive. You know, Paul talked about in Corinthians how the Corinthian church had strayed from the simplicity that is in Christ. Mm -hmm. And I think it was A.W. Tozer who talked about how the church has become so complicated that we've lost the purity and the simplicity that the early Christians have. Mm -hmm. The simplicity of Jesus Christ and the simplicity of the church is a very pure thing, but it's a very profound thing. And that's one thing that I think is is a characteristic of Jesus. He is he is so simple. Right. I mean, the way he speaks, he speaks monosyllabic. <laughs> he doesn't speak with complicated, highfalutin words. He's very simple, right. and he's very down-to-earth, but yet what he says is so profound. And that's the experience of church life, true, organic, body life. It's simple because we've stripped away all those things that clutter our relationship with Jesus Christ together and that distract from him, but at the same time, there's a purity and and a profoundness that eclipses so much of the shallowness that we find in modern-day Christianity. So it's kind of a paradox. There's profoundness in the simplicity, Mm -hmm. and there is a simplicity in the profoundness. And I think if you talk to most Christians and you really get down to business, many of us will admit things have gotten way too complicated, way too institutionalized, way too program-oriented. Let's strip down to Jesus Christ and get back to Him and centering on Him. And this is really the heartbeat of an organic church, the sole pursuit the driving force, the overwhelming vision is a person. Mm. It is Christ. And when we as God's people lock into Him and begin to know Him and touch and encounter Him, what comes out is something beautiful. And I call it the organic expression of the Church. I want to get to some of the characteristics of the organic Church. Before we do, on this line of thought, do you think in some ways people are a little hung up about reimagining and re-envisioning what Church means? Because in this institutional setting we've evolved over the years, they feel comfortable, They feel secure, whereas to be more open and vulnerable in a different type of environment, it's going to cost us something, I guess. And it's going to cost us first our our security and our sense of, uh, you know, we've got it down. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, I think it was my friend Ralph Neighbor who said the seven last words of the church are, we've never done it that way before. (laughs) And it's pointed for him to say it's the seven last words of the church. In other words, you're one step away of death. And I think some Christians certainly would fall into the category of being very content with their church, very happy with the uh, Sunday morning order of worship, the way the leadership operates. All the things that we kind of take dead aim at in pagan Christianity, they're very happy with it. And you know what? That's fine. Uh, If a person is finding the Lord and they're growing spiritually and they feel that they're fulfilling the will of God in their life, in this season of their life, in an institutional church, then I say, gosh, don't even read the book, because what's going to happen is your life's going to get messed up. (laughs) Because you're going to have to confront issues that the New Testament will Mm -hmm. bring right to your door that you may not really want to or may not be ready to look at. On the other hand, there are many Christians who are, I'm going to use the word here, desperate. They are dying on the vine. One million adult Christians every year in our country leave the institutional church. That's every year. We have 1,500 pastors who are part of the clergy that leave every month. They leave the clergy every month, 1,500 pastors a month. And I'm not making that up, folks. That came out of Christianity Today and Leadership Magazine. Mm-hmm. So we have a major crisis, and the end result is that many, many Christians, they are desperate 
and I'm going to put it this way, they're desperate for Jesus Christ. They're desperate for an experience of Christ in Christian community. They're desperate for authentic, real fellowship. They're desperate for the family dynamic of the church, which is missing in so many of our modern-day churches. And so consequently, yes, there are risks, but you know what? When you get to that point of desperation, you really don't care, (laughs) because you are so desperate. You know there's something more. You've heard about it. You've seen it. If you read a book like Reimagining Church, you know, one of the common responses we get to that, Cecil, is you have given language to what I have felt and believed for years. Thank God it's possible. Thank God it's happening. And where is it? (laughs) I'll move to to be a part of this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And and I get letters like that every single week. And so consequently, there is a segment of the Christian population, it's a growing segment, George Barna is calling it a revolution, because mm-hmm. it's so large, that God's people are saying, there's got to be more than this, this can't be it, what is it exactly, and that's why we've come out with these books. Yeah. What are some of the common characteristics of a healthy, organic church, then, of a living organism that functions as, as the living body of Christ? What are some of the key characteristics? Yeah, that's an excellent question. One of them is that Jesus Christ, in his fullness, and in his reality, is truly the head of that local body of believers. Mm-hmm. That's not a rhetoric statement, it's not a doctrine, it's not a theology. He truly is the head of that church. In other words, God's people in that, in that community have said, we submit to your headship, we're going to do it your way, we're not going to make a decision until you lead us together, not through one person, not through two people, but together as a body to make a move. You are the head of the church, not a man. Okay, that's the first thing. Right. The second thing is, because an organic church truly is living by divine life, which we all have divine life in us, we're Christians, we're not divine, of course, but God dwells in us, Christ in you, the hope of glory, they are learning how to live by that life together. They are learning how to live by Christ together. And so Jesus Christ is not only the head of that church, he's the centrality. Mm. And so you have a group of people who are literally consumed with Christ, and they are knowing him together. Another thing... And this is the offshoot of that. They actually have fallen in love with one another. And if a group of Christians encounters Jesus Christ in reality, and they begin to really know him together, not just as individuals, but together, the instantaneous and instinctive and organic and natural result is they fall in love with one another, so much so that they will take a grenade for one another so much so that they'll lay their lives down for one another, and then this leads into another characteristic. They truly live as a family. Mm. They truly take care of one another. And this is not just in rhetoric. This is not, you're sick, I'll put you on the prayer list. This is... I will give you whatever you need. This touches our wallets. And I I give many examples of this in the book because, again, it's not just doctrines I'm trying to present. It is a vision that has legs to it. I've lived in organic expressions of the Church for the last 20 years, and this is real, folks. It happens. And you know what's amazing, too, is that when unbelievers see it, they are blown away because they see a group of Christians that's not playing a religious game. You know, they're not having little performances and, uh, you know, check-in two hours on Sunday, Mm check-out. They have a shared life together. They love one another. And something divine, something supernatural is moving within them 
And uh, they have to say that this is unlike anything I've ever seen. Yeah. One of the most common criticisms you hear from people who are outside the faith is, well, there's so many different denominations, and everybody believes this or that, and some are way political and others aren't, and, you know, why can't you guys all get together? I think one of the greatest manifestations of the organic church is that sense of real unity and projecting Christ's love in a way that that's all it is. People can't grab on any handles because all it is is love. <laughs> Well, that's very good, and, uh, you know, doctrines have divided us Christians, and I'll just speak to Protestants because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I am a Protestant. We have 33,000 different denominations <laughs> yeah. on the planet today, and that's just Protestantism alone. Mm-hmm. And we divide over, you know, every doctrine and every interpretation, and we divide over music, and we divide it over the color of the carpet, and yep. <laughs> so on and so forth, you know, and it's ridiculous. And one of the characteristics of, the, of an organic church is, mm-hmm. is people in an organic church say, we are not going to divide God's people. That's one of the reasons why we're not going to join a denomination. Because yeah. if I join the Baptist Church, I'm saying I'm not a Pentecostal. Mm-hmm. And if I join the Pentecostals, I'm saying I'm not Christian Missionary Alliance. Yeah. If I join the Christian Missionary Alliance, I'm saying I'm not a Presbyterian. We're throwing it all overboard. Yeah. And we're saying we have no other ground but Jesus Christ, and every Christian who is in our city is one with us, and our doors are open wide, and if God has accepted you, we will accept you yeah. as brothers and sisters, and that's right out of the New Testament. Reimagining requires a whole other way of looking at things, from your mindset to your approach to how you even understand what church is meant to be as, as a living organism. How do people listening right now who may have some of those yearnings or those thoughts or those questions or doubts or whatever in the back of their mind, how do they begin to go down the journey of discovering what church really can be? Well, I would ask them if they're on the internet, and most people today, it seems, are, I would ask them to go to this website. It's reimaginingchurch.org, reimaginingchurch.org. And not only will you be introduced to the book, Reimagining Church, which really was written to Mm -hmm. answer that very longing uh, that you've mentioned, Mm -hmm. but there are tons of free resources on that website, including a place where they can correspond with me. There are uh, numerous websites that have just come out over the last year that are connecting people together Mm. who say, you know what, I'm all alone. All the Christians I know in town think I'm nuts because I don't, you know, I'm not happy yeah. <laughs> with church as usual. I'm not happy with the status quo. And uh, what you find out is, well, there's a lot of crazy people. Yeah. Uh, of course, you know, the other way around is maybe we're not so crazy after all. Maybe we've seen something and touched yeah. something that's real. That's what we're here for. We want to help connect God's people who want the Lord Jesus Christ in ways that are not being presented and experienced. And deep within their hearts, they know there has to be more. Uh, the book is called Reimagining Church by Frank Viola, author of Pagan Christianity. It's The subtitle is Pursuing the Dream of Organic Christianity. It's, it's a fresh, uh, really good look at what it means to be the body of Christ. Oh, thank you so much for your kind words. That's exactly why we wrote the two books in that order, and so far the response has been overwhelmingly positive. Yeah. You know, God's people are in, in a place right now, so many of them, where they are seeking, and they know that there has to be more than just the status quo, and they're finding it. And this yeah. is just a, an amazing time to live. Well, if you're hungering for real authentic community and, and, and really a different way of uh, looking at church, quote-unquote, pick up a copy, Reimagining Church by Frank Viola. It's published by David Cook. Frank, thanks again very much. Always good to talk with you, and God bless you in the work you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. My pleasure.